Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, the biggest sporting broadcast deal in Australia is done as the AFL does a $4 billion deal. We'll have everything you need to know. Tracy Grimshaw calls it quits, but who will replace her? And is the future of Q&A in doubt as ratings continue to hit all-time lows? Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. I'll introduce the panel in just a moment. But first, it was during this week in history, 46 years ago, that the Muppets got their very own sketch comedy show. What a theme. In 1976, the first episode of The Muppet Show premiered with Mia Farrow as the guest star. Now, two pilots were produced, The Muppets' Valentine's Show and The Muppet Show, Sex and Violence, as part of Jim Henson's efforts to not be typecast as a children's entertainer. Both shows were rejected by American networks but caught the eye of a British producer. And finally, The Muppet Show was produced for British Channel ATV and ran for five seasons. And what a show it was. I know it's one of David Robbo Robinson's favourite shows, and he joins us tonight. Hello, David. Hello. I loved that show. I'm worried that Mia Farrow was the first one, and I heard sex, and I think Woody... What's his name? Woody Harrelson or Woody... Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. <laughs> I, I don't know my Woodies. You know, it could have been the Woody from uh, the Toy Story. But, uh, yeah, fantastic and a wonderful show. Thank you, Robbo. Also joining <laughs> us on the panel... <laughs> Got nothing to that. Also, sorry, I'm, I'm pretty. Is... I've got a lot of Sudafed in my system, or Codrol, or whatever the under the under the counter. Ah, store is. you've got a bit oh, of yeah. Wayne Carey. You've got a bag of it, have you? Yeah, well, it's it's what I get from uh, a wonderful show called Parks and Recreation, uh, where they say I've got the stuff that uh, Mariah Carey needs to sing tonight. Stuff. <laughs> So that's what I All do right. for this show. Yeah. All right. Not only does he know where the bodies are buried, but he's buried a few himself. Hello, <laughs> Philip Kosh. Hello, Rob. How are you doing? Good. Contributor to TV Black Box, Matt Simmons is here. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Thanks again. He is the viewer's advocate and he makes his triumphant return. Hello, Mulk. What's a Harrelson between friends? Something a bit different tonight. Kevin Perry, another co-owner of TV Black Box, is in the house tonight. It's a mega panel because we'll be we will be talking about the AFL rights, and he is our sporting expert. Hello, Kevin. Oh, fantastic to be with you, Rob McKnight. I think I appeared on this podcast once in its very first year of operation and haven't been invited back since. So <laughs> 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 I'm to finally get my chance to be amongst you again. Let's make it twice. 
And our special guest tonight is Jonica Bray. She's the publisher of The Walsh, a reality TV platform, and she works on various current affairs programs throughout her career. Hello, Jonica. Welcome to TV Blackbox. Yay, welcome. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> now, Jonica, uh, it's great. We'll be talking about some current affairs-related things tonight, but you have a long history within current affairs. One of the programs you have worked for is a current affair itself, and... What I've always wondered is how do you go about securing those big deals, you know, the, the, the talent that everybody's after? How do you get them across the line? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess it's always a case-by-case basis, but I think one of the things that usually help along the way is to... Money? Get in with, ..to get in with somebody... <laughs> That's like, so if you're going for the talent, but everybody's going for the talent, go for their mum and get their mum on your side and then the mum will help you Mm. or you get their husband or you get their best friend. There's always somebody in the outskirts of the inner circle and they will help you get in. That, Jonica, or you just chase down their plumber. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned money and I was making a joke, but current affairs do pay talent. For their services, which I think is absolutely fair. The networks make money by advertising, by sharing their story. But it's interesting you say the key can be going through a family member like the mum, and that could be the make or break between getting the deal. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's a contract where there is going to be money offered, then everybody's putting money in. You're not usually the only person. So Mm. if there's a competitive nature there, you still need to give them a reason to come with you and not the other person because the offer's probably going to end up the same in the end. You've worked on some very big interviews that people would have seen over the time that make headlines. What is it like once that program goes out and you're seeing the reaction to your story or even when it's being promoted and it just the promo is generating headlines. Yeah, I mean, I definitely become emotionally invested in in some of my stories, and um, we'll read the comments online, um, reactions, and headlines. Just like I guess the people that are in my stories, and I can get offended, and I can get upset, or I can, or I can be super happy that it's that it's going the right way, and that they're understanding what the story is supposed to be. You have had an amazing career. I look forward to seeing and hearing your insights tonight. So you are the publisher of. The Walsh, a reality TV platform. What's that? Yeah, so The Walsh is um, it's behind the scenes gossip and um, scandals and, um, yeah, like just all the goss and the glam of everything that's happening behind the scenes on reality TV in Australia. So we do a lot of spoilers. Um, we get a lot of people sliding into our DMs with cast of new shows or what happens between or couple swapping on maps, just the <laughs> usual kind of stuff. And, um yeah, we keep up with everything and reality TV, as we know, is just like a ratings juggernaut. And, um, yeah, we are super excited to be putting all the gossip and stuff with it because there's so much. Like reality mm. TV just gives you so much of the good stuff. Mm. Just remember, Rob, if you say, I know where the bodies are buried, Jonica actually saw them being chopped up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jonica Bray, publisher of The Wash, thank you very much for being here on TV Black Box. Appreciate it. 
All right, let's begin with the biggest broadcast rights deal ever done in Australia. Channel 7 and Foxtel have won the bidding war to continue broadcasting the AFL for a further seven years from the start of 2025 season. To bring us up to speed on the details of this story, this is why we've got him here tonight. It's sporting expert at TV Black Box, Kevin Perry. Kevin, it's been reported both 10 and 9 made a bid. What do you know about how this played out? Yeah, it's been a, a, a roller coaster of a couple of days. It all started on um, Monday morning where all of the broadcasters were brought in essentially for, for a bidding war to decide out who would be the eventual winner. Channel 9 went first about 9am on Monday morning. They put in a bid of around $550 million per year. Wow. I'm told that Channel 10 and the Paramount Group they came in an hour later. They came in with a bid that was pretty well similar to what Nine had put up in that $550 million per year range. From there, it was up to Channel 7 and Foxtel as the incumbent rights holder. They were always going to have the last option to, to outbid their competitors. And negotiations went through past 2 o'clock in the morning before an, an, an agreement was finally realised. And in the end... Nine and ten were received a phone call this morning that they had missed out on the deal. So, Kevin, can I ask you a question? Because I, I, I don't fully understand all of this, but obviously the incumbent rights holder, they get the last laugh as such. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're able to see what uh, what ten has put it through and what nine has put through. Um, and then they go, well, look, we'll beat that by this amount of money. Mm. Does ten and nine then get another chance to come in and say, oh, we could do this? No, not in this case. This was this was this was always going to be the, the last chance. This was put put up your your maximum figure, what you're willing to pay. We've got to settle sure. this today. That was right. that was the, okay. the deal. Yep. Kevin, I've got literally hundreds of questions, but I'll start with hopefully an easy one. Mm. Yeah. Um, do we have an understanding that when nine and ten pitched their bids to the AFL, were they doing it on the basis of a what we would consider standard five year offer? And that the resultant seven-year deal that now Foxtel and Seven have signed with the AFL was a part of this negotiation, or was that an and then that Seven brought to the table or had to match? Yeah, I can't speak to specific years of what of what each each network was putting forward. Um, It's highly likely that that all networks were talking beyond the five-year range. When I talk about $550 that was always the starting price for the first year. There was always going to be escalation fees in the bids bids from all networks. So there was always options to extend with these these kinds of deals. Um, Probably the the interesting thing about it is that, like, this is a a $4.5 billion deal. That I mean, we we have two years to run on the current deal before this deal kins in. So effectively, Seven and Foxtel have locked up the AFL now for the next nine years. That yeah. is that is a huge period of time, and particularly when you look at the streaming side of it, it leaves Stan and Paramount Plus. I mean, they will not get an option to pick up the biggest sporting character in this country for, for nine years. And that mm. is a very significant factor. And it really underlines why Foxtel was willing to pay so much for this deal. Yeah, they were going to be the big losers in it, really, weren't they? I mean, Seven would have been, it would have been a, a huge casualty for them. But for Foxtel, who since, what, the, the late 90s have been intimately involved in broadcasting the AFL every minute of the AFL, mm. had it gone to nine or ten, they were out of the picture, weren't they? 
Yeah, I think that's very true. Look, I mean, when you look at the Foxtel business, their future is in streaming. So they've got their two businesses. They've got KO on sport and they've got Binge that's on drama. Now, for KO to survive, it needs those tier one sports, AFL, NRL and cricket, AFL being the most important. For Binge to survive, they need HBO, and that is yeah. the, the real decider, the real thing that's going to be decided in the next 12 months. So, yeah, for, for, for the Foxtel group, it was kind of a no-brainer. They, they had to spend what was required to get sure. it done. When we talk about the $4.5 billion, I should underline the fact that that's a bit over $4 billion in cash, the rest Shit. of it in contract. Shit. Geez, that's a lot of cash. To be honest, I thought yeah. the, I, I thought the um, contra component would actually be more. You talked about streaming with Ko, but mm. explain to me the the gain Seven have made with Seven Plus being able to stream games. Yeah, this Mm. is really significant for the Seven Group. Um, I think they've been the big winners today out of this deal. They have, they have, with their negotiation, they are still broadcasting the same number of games that they always have. The only difference is that some of those Saturday games have now been moved to a Thursday night in prime time. The other thing is that they have secured streaming rights to the AFL for the first time, which will allow them to stream matches, oh, oh. any any match that they're broadcasting can go okay. on seven plus. Obviously, right. that will be that will be ad supported, yep. so viewers will have the option of watching a match on seven plus with ads, or they can pay a fee and watch it on KO without ads. So the just other to thing jump is, in, sorry, yep. Kevin, I just want to clarify on that streaming thing. That's only the games that Seven Broadcast can yeah. be streamed, not yeah, all that's of right. the games. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's right. a big so, yeah. change. But, yeah, but so a significant you, change given that they can't stream any of their games right now and it, this starts for the 2025 season. Yeah, that's correct. From 2025, this all begins. That will mean right. so Thursday night football, Friday night football, your Saturday night games at the, in the sort of the second half of the season and yep. one Sunday game will all be streamed on 7+. plus. Another critical pickup for Foxtel, isn't it, that for the first eight rounds, they are essentially pulling what is a Super Saturday every Saturday game for those first eight rounds will be broadcast exclusively on Foxtel and KO. Yeah, that's correct. The only little exception is that the, the AFL have hold on to the right for, for certain marquee games, the real big mm-hmm. ones like the Dreamtime at the G, yep. your, your Anzac Eve game. Yeah, these are really big high-rating events. Sure. So if they happen to occur on a Saturday, they will still be broadcast on free-to-air. Right. Uh, So, sorry, Kevin, with the Super Saturday thing, one of the controversies has been that Seven was making a big hoo-ha about the fact that they wouldn't be able to show local matches in Adelaide and Perth, which have been on free-to-air TV on Channel 7 on Saturdays. Does that mean those markets won't get those local games free-to-air? Yeah, that is one of the really interesting things that has um, occurred in this negotiation where, where Foxtel really were pushing hard to secure exclusive rights for, for all of those interstate matches. Mm. And it would have Which goes against we, we, what Michelle Rowland said, the communications yeah, exactly, minister. Yeah. She said she didn't want to see games like that go off free-to-air TV. Yeah, well, the Seven Network, they lobbied hard. They they clearly lobbied the communication minister and mm. a Labor communication minister was happy to put a bit of pressure on a News Corp organisation. And so <laughs> it would appear that we have seen Foxtel buckle a bit in the last few days and they have, they have agreed that 
all of the matches that were these interstate matches that were previously broadcast on free to air, they still will be broadcast live on free to air. Um, under the at the current deal, there is a term where about four matches a year are broadcast on delay. That's going to stay roughly the same under this new deal. So really, it is a great win for Channel Seven. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I did want to just highlight before we move on is one thing that Foxtel has secured is their right to add their own commentary and their own graphics to all nine games of the round. Previously, they used to just take a simulcast. Enough. Yeah, previously mm. they were locked in where they had to take a simulcast of the Channel 7 call. Yeah. But under this new deal where, where both organisations will be providing streaming, Foxtel needed something to make their coverage stand out. So from mm. moving forward, mm. they will now have their own commentators, their own graphics. Obviously, it's yeah, commercial free. And, and so that's, yeah, and they'll obviously there'll be an investment in 4K technology on the Foxtel mm. side as well. I, I, I'm yeah. not sure if we'll see it on the KO side. But, yeah, that, that's what Foxtel are going to do to try and stand out and sell their, their service moving forward. Wow. Good for them. Kevin, there's obviously a, a lot of talk about um, CBS money. We love to talk about the CBS Paramount money. Mm. Uh, and it was always talked about over the last couple of years that surely that they would then invest that in sport. Mm. Uh, are you surprised they didn't come back with a larger number for, as you call it, and, and, and as it is, Australia's biggest game? Are you surprised about that? Oh, well, look, that, like I said, they, they came up with a, a number of $550 million per year, which is a very big number. It's, it's, it's a significant increase on what was currently being paid. So they, they did have a fair crack at it. I, I guess what I would say is that Paramount Plus is, is a bit of a divided company internationally. It, 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 it's come from CBS, the US executives who really do understand the value of football, um, CBS is huge for football in America. They, they love it. They understand you've got to spend the money. But there's also that Viacom side of the business who who don't have an appreciation for sport at all. And so we, we've seen, you know, Channel 10, they have different overlords from the US hmm. running the business every year. <laughs> and, and and this is probably Channel 10's biggest problem, that, they, that there's just not clear leadership coming from the US. And this was the big play that I would have been a game changer for 10 and they've blown it. They well, have, yeah. yeah. And and I guess in, in that light, Kevin, given that the AFL are so clearly ensconced now with 7 and Foxtel, 9 hmm. are absolutely not going to want to let go of the NRL rights come hell or high water. They're going to pay anything now. Yeah. Given the, the, the iffy relationship between Seven and Cricket Australia, do you think that there's now a capacity that Paramount slash 10 are going to come sniffing around to try and get, you know, our summer game drawn into their – they need a, a, a Tier 1 sport, don't they? They do, and I, I think it's highly likely that Channel 10 will now look to the cricket. I mean, the the, the – the situation between Channel 7 and Cricket Australia is so toxic. Even at the press conference today, James Warburton got asked a question about the cricket oh, and, and, and the smirk that was on his face where he just made a point of, like, he, he, he made this point that he didn't want to talk about the cricket, but he also underlined the fact that the AFL had never broken their agreement once. Oh, and, and, and it was such a it was such a telling comment from James Warburton that how he feels about the cricket, and he just can't wait to get rid of it. To be brutally mm. honest, yeah, yeah, that's pretty obvious. All right, thank you, Kevin. We look forward to your commentary throughout the podcast, but your expertise in this sporting arena is uh, well worth the price of admission. So, thank you very much, sir. My pleasure. 
All right, viewers were shocked this week when Tracy Grimshaw announced her resignation from a current affair live on air after 17 years. Here is some of what she had to say. Welcome back. Now, normally, right about now, we'd be telling you what to expect tomorrow night. But lately, I've personally been thinking longer term, and I have some news that I wanted you to hear from me before you hear it from anyone else. I've decided to finish up with a current affair this year. It's been a big decision, huge actually, and before the gossip websites start telling you rubbish, I want you to know it's been my decision alone and I'm not being shoved out the door by the boys club because I'm too old. I'm not too old, I'm just a bit tired. And for the record, both the boys and the girls have asked me to stay. But I've basically been a shift worker for 26 years now, driving to work before dawn for nine years on the Today Show and the past 17 years driving home after dark here on A Current Affair. And it's time for less of that daily obligation. She also thanked viewers for their loyalty over the years and revealed she will finish up in November. Now, look, sources have told me that no-one has been chosen to become the next Tracy Grimshaw, that it's a wide open field. They feel that they've got time at nine to make some decisions. But should we go through first, Jonica, and talk about the amazing legacy of Tracy Grimshaw? You've worked with her. I've worked with her. Um, We know that what you see is what you get, both on air and behind the scenes. But tell me about your experiences with Tracy. Yeah, well, I always had great experiences working with Tracy. Um, over at a current affair for a couple of years. She was definitely a great part of the team. You know, she wasn't just necessarily one of those hosts that come in and host the show and leave again. Mm. You know, Tracy does um, obviously do some of a current affair stories and their bigger stories. And she is often around the office. And if she goes out on a job, um, like say if she goes to South Sydney, she'll always bring back those like oregano bakery cinnamon scrolls. <laughs> and for everybody, for the didn't whole she, office. Didn't she do some home baking and bring it into a current affair? I've always heard this rumour. Is that but true? I'm, I'm not sure about the home baking, but definitely like the the oregano cinnamon scrolls that right. she would always come back with those. And she was very generous. So even if um, like a PR company would send her some dog products or something like that, she would always come out and share them with the whole office and things like that, which, um, you know, you don't often get that. A lot of people snuffle away those free gifts. No, some some on-air talent keep all the goodies for themselves. Yeah. Rob <laughs> Whereas often Tracy does that. was definitely yeah, very ex- generous. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. I was about to say this guy <laughs> wow. on high saying he doesn't take any... Oh, a lot of people don't take gifts. Matthew, thank you for confirming <laughs> that. Oh, I'm a sharer. That's not fair. <laughs> that was Matthew first. I just left him wow. <laughs> Well played, Robbo. Stepping in and stepping out. Um, there's obviously, Philip, been a lot of speculation about who will take over. Uh, I've seen a lot of the um, guff. We obviously know that Carl Stefanovic is putting his hand up. He's been chasing the Acarol for some time. Uh, What do you think his chances are of getting it, and do you think he'd be the right person? Oh, well, let me answer it this way. I don't think he'd be the wrong person, but uh, Mm -hmm. it leaves a huge headache with what to do today. So... I don't know, if I had a crystal mm. ball, I would think Carl will get a very hefty pay rise to stay on today, which we already know he earns a lot of money, uh, because there's not an obvious solution to the today problem without Carl. Yeah, Stephanie. I'm right here. 
<laughs> Excluding you, Rob, of course. Didn't, didn't need that big uh, laugh, also, everyone. Also, Thank I you. agree. They're not going to make a decision quickly. You, you know, you end up in a situation like we had a couple of weeks ago with the footy, where everyone knows the coach is about to get sacked, but he's not sacked. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there, there's no, there's no publicity value to announcing the new host now. You know, I just strategically, why would they do that? And and genuinely. My senior sources are saying there is no decision yet and they're really having a look at who's out there and the candidates. It's a wide-open field. It's interesting. I saw Layla McKinnon's name mentioned. I don't think she would leave Byron Bay with David Gingell, the former CEO of um, Channel 9. Uh, Sylvia Also, Jeffries. sorry, would they be able to charge her batteries on a weekly basis? Oh, I think that she is the most robotic presenter Layla I've McKinnon. ever seen. At 100%. Sorry, Layla. I know you're a long-term listener. Lovely to see you. We'll Fed see you at that birthday in Byron. I don't hear a word against Layla. She's, she's I don't know what you're talking talent. about, Rob. I, I just don't think that she's a very good reader. I think Layla would be a great right, so pick. It's all right, Everyone's Layla. looking for Robo, jobs, though. Robo, yeah, look, at these, look, no, no, look, look at these little guppies. <laughs> look at these little guppies. No, actually, they're like ducks in a pond. There's some bread there, and everyone's trying to get the bread. Layla, I'll tell it like the truth is, hire me. It literally took... Thanks, Robo. For that excellent insight. Um, it literally took two minutes from Tracy's announcement for names to start to get thrown around on social media, mm-hmm. um, as you would expect. Um, I, I, I think you'd have, well, guaranteed there, as you said, Rob, all of the people concerned, no one's locked in, we're going to sort of consider all comers and the rest of it. Um, people like Deb Knight, who have stepped in and filled in, regular fill in for Tracy would have to be somewhat of a front runner. Um, mm. And there's even been some suggestions of, of other nine talent like Brett McLeod uh, and other journalists. Can I, can I say something? Can I say? Shock us all and bring back Ray or bring back Yana. Oh, now there. I watched you. that. Bring back Yana Vent. She needs a job. She's got great hair. I love her. Bring her back. Matthew, as the youngest member of our team, is there anyone Acker could get that would entice you into a nightly viewing? Matthew, as the um, youngest member of our team, do you even care? No. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, I didn't. Re- I haven't known uh, Acker without Tracy Grimshaw. So to me, it was quite a shock. Oh my I thought god. she just came with the show. Oh my god! Um, yeah, shut up. I was five years old when she started. Um, you shut your face. You shut up. Uh, I rest my case. You're right. On. The only person I think interests me, I guess, is because when I have caught it, uh, I've seen Layla. So that's someone who already. But if we're gonna pick someone who isn't already filling in that could just be a good pick. I actually think Sylvia Jeffries might be a good pick as a younger person, but she might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I quite like Sylvia Jeffries. I think she deserves a bigger gig. That'd be a good pick for me. I'd always advocate Sarah Harris, of course. Hmm. But she's great on Studio 10. She is. All right, let's move on, because when it comes to the ABC's ill-fated Q&A, it seems the public broadcaster is asking questions of its own to determine the program's future. Following a new low of only 165,000 viewers in the five-cap cities last Thursday, TV Blackbox exclusively learned on Friday that members of an online feedback group named Your Space received an invitation asking them very specific questions about the show. They included thoughts on the host, Dan Grant, and whether people thought the show was getting better or worse. TV Black Box understands the Your Space surveys often ask for feedback on a broad range of shows and topics, but until now has never asked for in-depth feedback on a specific show, such as with Q&A. 
The ABC was quick to comment on our story, boasting a national audience of 500,000 viewers, not last week, guys, when including other viewing methods and labelling our report as wrong. Mulk, you had this story, and, geez, I got dizzy from the spin from the ABC. I'm still, my head is still spinning from their spin. Um, tell me about this story, why it's significant. Rob, it's thank you. It's it's been really significant, um, as much as anything, because Q and A, particularly in its original iteration on Monday nights, uh, was a part of a very solid current affairs block that uh, helped set the weekly political agenda. That engaged in you know we're talking seven thirty Australian Story Four Corners Media Watch Q and A. It was almost unmissable. You had to tune into at least two or three hours of that to be engaged in it. And it has been a sort of a, a, a almost a season of upset since both the founding EP, uh, Peter McAvoy, and host, Tony Jones, both stepped out of the picture. Now, understandably, coming into that, it's going to be some changes. And Hamish McDonald took the helm. He was in it for about 18 months before he felt he had to step away uh, for all of his own personal reasons, which introduced a sort of revolving chair, um, three-host situation. And about that time, the decision was made, or at the start of 2021, I think it was, to move Q&A from Monday nights to Thursday nights. And ever since it's moved to Thursday night, it's been less than half the ratings of a usual week, uh, but fluctuating wildly. It's been quite um, an interesting journey to process. So to hear, or for us to see last week that it hit its lowest ever figure of 165,000 viewers for Five City Metro was in itself a story. However, then to get a number of people who are members of this Your Space feedback panel say, hey, we've just been sent this survey, and in one person's case, uh, they said to me, I've been a member of this thing since they started it, and they have never given us this kind of direct, you know, kind of, what do you think of the host? Do you still watch the show? Why don't you watch the show if you're not watching? You know, tell us about the move to third. Like, all of that kind of really intricate, direct kind of feedback question stuff. But but this is the rub, because the ABC is saying the report is wrong, but you've got actual users who've been part of this Your Space survey for a long time mm -hmm. who've never had a survey like this. Yeah, they, they, they were the ones that alerted me to it. And I've had, um, uh, I, I would say, people who ostensibly don't know each other independently hit me up and say, oh, I've just answered that survey and told me what that, you know, what I thought. And I've seen the invitation letter that they got from Your Space around it. Um, it's within the scope of, of Your Space as far as giving the ABC feedback. That's great. However, as you said in, in the intro, the idea that previously it had been generalised questions about shows and do you watch them and that sort of thing, that this is the first time they've gone really, really deep on a specific show and whether people are watching and what it means to them and do they care and, and that kind of stuff. Can I ask a question? And, and Rob, you're the host, so I'll let you direct this question, but I just want to ask it generally. Uh, is Q&A scared of being Q&A? Does that make sense to everyone? Are, are they scared of eliciting some kind of proper response, whether it be from right wing or left wing? Are they so petrified of getting an actual opinion from either side that they're not asking the right questions, they're not getting the right guests on? Is, is Robert, that the you problem? you saw that the other week where Stan Grant ejected a member of the audience because they didn't ask the question that they had pre-prepared. It's a little more than the other week ago, but sure. No, oh, no, well, no, whenever, no, he's, no, a couple Rob's of months, right, whatever. To me, Rob's that was right. the moment where 
Q&A jumped the shark and, and killed itself. Because, because the yeah. whole idea of an exchanging of ideas, I thought it was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen on TV, where a whole program that's about questions and answers didn't like a question, so ejected it's, a member from the audience yeah. who wasn't being argumentative, wasn't no. yelling and screaming, wasn't, you know, protesting, asked a question. They almost read, they, they read the brief of the show, right? 100%. The, and to me, yeah. that was the specific moment where you went, this, what has happened now is everything that's wrong with the show. Jonica, tell me, do you think Q&A has just become irrelevant? For me, I guess what I feel, and I wonder if it, it correlates to this, is they've been losing their viewers for the last two to three years. And I think the last two to three years, we've all been in quite a sense of doom and gloom about the world. We've had COVID, we haven't been able to go anywhere, we've had floods, we've had terrible weather. And now that the world's open up and we can go somewhere, we can't afford to because of petrol prices and mortgage prices. <laughs> so life's miserable at the moment. And I think a show like Q&A just kind of adds a lot to that misery a lot of the time. Whereas I think mm. there's a lot of smart in what you're saying about the general feeling out there. And I think we saw that in Talkback Radio when during uh, the election campaign, Talkback became a bit of a turn off and now it's rebuilt those audience numbers. But Q&A pretty much started dying and we must remember it's not just the move to thursday night it started losing audience before covid as soon as tony jones went as soon as they cha started changing the format and it was still on monday nights it was losing audience because people are too scared to say what they really think that's the big problem well, so they're you can't too have scared a show to like have people say what they really think no but the, but the same thing even if they if, even if they book guests this is what it is people are so scared to say what they actually think that a show like q and a cannot survive in the current climate of what people do that's that's what it is. So you can't get people on the show who have varying opinions because all they do is end up getting either shut down or they get dismissed or anything like that. So people who are booked on there, they want to go on Q&A. Obviously, politicians mostly want to go on Q&A, uh, but they're not willing to do it because they can't say what they really think. So you can't have a program like Q&A where people can't actually say what they think. So they get on there and it's bland. That's why no one's watching. No one's actually saying opinions. No one's actually saying what they feel about things because they're too worried about what the backlash will be. Mm. And if you go woke, you go broke. hundred <laughs> percent. We know this to be true. It gets proven time and time again. Philip, though, the ABC in a, let's just say, there were a fair few emails back and forth the other day about this story. Mm. And... But in one of them, they said they are happy with Q&A. Now, what kind of alternate reality are they living in when they can be happy? The ABC isn't all about ratings. Well, they never put a press release out again when you get good ratings. All right, ABC, live and die by it. Don't give me this bullshit that you don't care about ratings when you do. Things get bumped back because they're not rating. What was the latest example? Uh, win the week, was it? Uh, yeah, win the week. Win the week got bumped back to a later time slot because it wasn't rating. So don't give me the bullshit that ratings don't matter. <laughs> Do they have cause to be proud and happy with Q&A, Philip? Uh, well, look, ratings aside, no one likes bad press and they've just got a tsunami of bad press about mm. Q&A really for the past two years. And, you know, if you look at, at the episode that just went there, 
cost of living, like snorzy, you know. But yes, we all know that. <laughs> when it's walk into a supermarket, fill up a car. You, do you know what I mean? It's not really a topic to debate. It's just a shitty thing that's happening mm. to us. Yeah, who's going to say cost of, no, go this- cost of living's fine? I've got my yacht and my private jet. I'm fine, <laughs> yeah, darling. I just I saw it promoted and thought that's the last fucking thing I want to listen to. <laughs> frankly, but no Which one is willing to go on point. air. Look out. No one is willing to go on air and actually talk about real opinions because it'll get them rubbished. Yeah, I think cancel culture and the the environment we live in now where, you know, you have these pile-ons instantly if someone happens to say something that's interpreted as homophobic, racist, transphobic, there are so many icks that, you you know, you can slip up. So no one says anything. I Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it it has really eroded opinions. You know, you need opinionated people to make that show work and everyone's trying to be a little bit beige and not upset anyone. Correct. This is yes. what I'm saying. So I think we have come to the conclusion that Q&A is a wounded dog by the side of the road. It's time to get the shotgun out and shoot it. <laughs> and that is the verdict. In, all in, right. Oh, <laughs> we're sure. moving on, Mog. <laughs> sure. That's no, all right. It's I been... had complete opinions that were contrary to everybody, but that's okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you had the first five minutes of this topic yeah, to explain what was going on, and then you guys went shat all over it. And it's like, oh. okay, cool. So we won't talk about balance. Fine. Welcome to the real Q and A, Malky. This is the real one. Oh, thanks. No, for you that. have the floor, Mark. But will it make the edit, Rob? Possibly. <laughs> in defence of Q and A, they are in the typical ABC editorial policies rock and a hard place. They and you just have to read the comments on the article that I wrote to see how the audience view the way the ABC function. Oh, they're full of LNP Murdoch stooges. Oh, they're, they still you know, had that when Tony Jones was doing Q and A. Oh, no, but this is my point, Rob. They've got people who think that they're run by the former LNP government, and then you've got people who think they're run by the Labor government and are shitting all over. Um, you know the the conservatives. They can't win. So in part trying to adhere to editorial policies, which says we have to provide a balanced viewpoint or an opportunity for a balanced viewpoint, puts them in a position where, as Robbo alluded to, you can't get anybody on that's going to do anything, particularly from a political standpoint, that is going to do anything but deliver their talking points because the government of the day want to make sure that everybody hears their sound bites and the opposition of the day, all they want to do is try and catch them out. And so also means, other guests just want to keep getting paid by where they are. Oh, sorry, I'm and missing the point because wasn't it always like that and it comes down to the moderator and the guests no, you get to be able no. to challenge each other? But well, yeah, no one's actually I, giving their opinion. Yeah, but I think that's later. the real problem with Q&A at the moment is that they, they are stuck between a rock and a hard place of upsetting the left or upsetting the right. But they need As to be willing to do been. that. And at the moment, too often the ABC is just afraid of upsetting anyone. They yes. don't. They, they don't, mm. they're so scared of upsetting anyone that they just end up being bland and they book these guests who you you know what they're going to say before they say it because they're just yep. so bland. Their topics are bland, the guests are bland, and no wonder viewers have given up. I, I have enjoyed this week being um, called a mouthpiece <laughs> of the Murdoch press and being uh, claimed to be so far left that I wouldn't know a reasonable government if it hit me in the face. So That's yeah. perfect. That's you doing your job correctly. <laughs> Welcome to All the right. party, pals. 
It's been in streaming circles for some time now, but it's official. Ads will be coming to Netflix in Australia later this year. Local yet anonymous media sources have told the Sydney Morning Herald that the streaming giant has already begun discussions with local advertisers about plans to roll out the ads. It's reported that such an advertising model will be unskippable and appear before an episode or film starts, although playing an ad during a piece of content has not been ruled out either. The ad tier service is expected to cost roughly $8, which is less than the current price of a basic Netflix streaming subscription. If you're a subscriber paying full price, though, rest assured you won't view any ads. Matthew, is this the next level of subscribing to streamers, an ad tier level before the better priced options? Would you take the ad ad tier level? No, I wouldn't. I, I definitely wouldn't take it, but I do think it's the next step. I mean, in that report, it mentions Prime Video already has a hybrid model along with Paramount and Disney's also announced plans. So I think this is just the next step is how to, is, they're going to be thinking, how do we make more money? We've made it in the streaming market. We see it. They're being successful. They're, they're doing better than free to air TV. They're doing all the right things. How do we make more money? I don't blame them for doing it. However, I wrote an article back in May when this was kind of first announced and Yes, it's all well and good to do this, but you've got to keep having the good content. And the one issue I have with Netflix is that they churn out almost too much content every day or every week. Mm -hmm. There's so much content. Quality over quantity. Isn't that the rule? So it's all well and good to do this and try and get your subscribers back and make more money. You work in the media, don't you, Matthew? What's that? You work in the media, don't you, Matthew? Mm. Quality over quantity? Is, Is that what you get told at work? That, that's yeah. just the that's We'd the, go the for general quality. rule. Well, that's I don't everything. understand that. No, oh, I, I agree. Play on. Forget me. <laughs> Jonica, will people be drawn to ad-supported Netflix if it costs them less money? Yeah, I think that it's it's okay. I think people have a whinge to begin with, like they do when anything's new. Um, you can never win, but I think you just train your audiences and what to accept. And after a while, I mean, look at the Daily Mail. It's an awful user experience, yet we still all go and watch it and get those pop-ups consistently yeah. all the time. Um, <laughs> but that's just that's what we have to do to get it. So I just think we'll get used to it and, and it'll be okay. And And they do need to make money, right? Like that's the point. And that's the thing. And, Philip, you've got the choice. I, I've got to say, personally, I'll go for the premium model because I don't want the ads. Yeah, well, one thing that Jonica mentioned or alluded to that does worry me, so they condition us to see ads on Netflix. So then at some point, do does it all become one model? Do we all have mm. to watch ads on Netflix? That that if I, if I was a bean counter, that's definitely where I would be heading. That would be a game changer for me i'd be out i'm i'm paying the higher premium so i don't get ads that i think is a point of difference that streaming has always had to traditional television Mm. do you pay for foxtel yeah i pay for foxtel but you have ads in the foxtel though so you're willing to yeah but i think that's wrong that's but that's my point but you can pause and fast forward on your you can pause on your Foxtel, oh, but aren't they saying you this. can't pause on your and you have to watch them uh, on your Netflix? Not on your catch-up. Not on Foxtel catch-up. You can't. It'll give you a pre-roll ad and you cannot yeah, get past it. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, but you Foxtel Go, you don't get commercials. Hmm. I don't I watch don't. any ads on Foxtel. 
No, I yeah. don't watch any ads in my Carnation Street and EastEnders. Well, you know they're only putting them on the stuff that people want to watch, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, still to come, old favourites return to reality TV. A popular kid show comes to an end. Piers Morgan gets punted. And we'll find out what everyone's been watching when we open the TV binge box. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. We begin with some sad news. Bondi Rescue star Terry McDermott has died after a battle with prostate cancer. The popular TV lifeguard was diagnosed on Anzac Day in 2020 and died on September 1st, surrounded by his friends and family. The Bondi Rescue Lifeguard's Facebook page announced the news and described him as one of the nicest watermen to don a jersey. They said he saved countless lives during his career that spent more than 30 years. McDermott leaves behind his wife Joanna and son Matt. They were one of reality TV's first families and now the Osbournes are back. In a new 10-part series titled Home to Roost, the Osbournes will celebrate everything from Sharon's 70th birth... 70th birth... That's got to be for the fifth time, surely. <laughs> Hello, Sharon. After Kelly's soon-to-be-born baby to Ozzy's latest tour and the family's move back to the UK. While the program will air on BBC One in the UK next year, an Australian broadcaster has yet to be announced. Shock me. Australian kids will farewell the popular animated series Arthur this week after more than 25 years on the air. While the program's finale was broadcast earlier this year in the US, Australian audiences will get to watch the show's ending for the first time on Foxtel's PBS Kids channel this Friday. To celebrate the legacy of television's longest-running animated show for kids, the channel has been running an Arthur marathon all week long. Controversial British presenter Piers Morgan has been bumped from his 9pm time slot on Sky News Australia. His recently launched Uncensored show was replaced by Sky News with a new local talk show led by Rowan Dean when Morgan was on a summer holiday. Sorry. I'm just getting a little bit sick reading this script. Uh, Morgan returns to the desk tonight, but will be in his new home at 10.30pm while Rowan Dean remains in the prime 9pm slot. I'll take that as a comment. (laughs) (laughs) The premiere of the most expensive show to ever be made has seemingly gone off without a hitch for Amazon Prime Video. The first two episodes of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Colin Yawn, reportedly drew in 25 million viewers globally in its first day of streaming. While the streaming service didn't specify how they measure their viewership, Amazon did confirm that the show's performance broke all previous records and marked the biggest premiere in the history of Prime Video. 
and that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. And I do apologise for putting in a little bit of uh, editorial. I'm enjoying uh, the fact that Hatches and Dispatches has become Hatches and Bitches. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You are welcome. Can't wait to talk about Lord of the Yawn uh, in the binge. It's really good, you knob. Hold it for your binge. All right, time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Uh, Robbo, I have been watching Lord of the Rings, Power of the Rings, and I loved it. I thought it was superb. The Power of the Rings or the Rings of Power? The Rings of Power. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It's a great show. It's not forgettable at all. You know what? Can I say to you, it does, not at one point does it ever make you feel that you were just watching the original films. Uh, It it doesn't do that at all. Uh, It doesn't make you wish that it was an easier storyline to understand. It does make you understand that Peter Jackson was offered to be part of it. He said, sure, show me the scripts because it's a very hard story to write. He never received a scripts and <laughs> doesn't it show uh it was an awful expensive very nice looking show that made no sense at all and made you wish that it was 2001 robo are you sure that you even watched the right show <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> Weirdly, uh, the first, uh, when I typed in Rings of Power, it brought up a very different program. Oh, okay. Obviously, I watched the rest of that, and then I went to the Amazon and watched that. <laughs> well, that um, <laughs> Robbo, here's the problem with your opinion on this. You made us watch 30 Rock, you Season cool. 4, Episode 22 and 23. <laughs> Probably two of the worst episodes of 30 Rock there have ever been. Oh. My response to that is simple. You love the Bing Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Point still well my beating heart. Jonica, what have you been watching this week? Okay, so both reality for me. Um, well, I've been watching Farmer Wants a Wife, and that's not so mm. much because I'm loving this season, but it's like last season there was so much scandal. I'm waiting for it to happen. Like, surely <laughs> last season... It's the new match. Last season, one of the farmer wives, she got pregnant by, like, a different farmer from a different farm, and it was so <laughs> scandalous. It's like... Bound chicka wow wow. Yeah. Throw them on the same so farm. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that to, that to happen this year. And... The other one is the amazing race for us, for me. I know, or for us in our family, it's a family show, which is great because we can all watch it. And, um, you know, just because travel's back open now, I'm just inspired by the countries they're going to, the beautiful scenery. And Ooh, I love a bit of teamwork and, a, and a, you know, something that we can just all watch together because there's not a lot of that on at the moment. Dressing up like a mummy, <laughs> getting set on fire. Yeah. You know, the general things you do at home. <laughs> Um, and, and it's pickup in the ratings in the uh, plus sevens have been pretty impressive as well. A total TV, Million. Rob. Not just the plus in, sevens. The total TV's really, really helping them. I always say plus seven when I mean total TV. Uh, we'll just have and, to and have seven an automatic get you it button. for your brand yeah. uh, alignment. And also your employer, <laughs> the Nine Network, doesn't appreciate it. It's <laughs> fantastic. Love that seven. <laughs> Philip, what have you been watching? <laughs> Trying to do jokes here, guys. Uh, well, I've got, I've got some controversial things to discuss tonight. Uh, oh, come on, oh, Phil. Uh, look out. Let me just check my notes here. <laughs> so uh, all this chatter about the new Top Gun film, I thought I can't really – I don't have a distinct memory of watching the original, so I sat down to watch mm-hmm. it. Fifteen minutes in, I had to turn it off. It's pretty much one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Really? Oh, it's dreadful. Oh, it's just every American it's trope brilliant. you can think of. Oh, it's just – 
It wasn't for me. No. So sorry. That's Literally thousands of people joined the Air Force because <laughs> of that film. It was brilliant. Well, and, you know, I hope their planes didn't go down like that show. They all <laughs> died in weird ejection <laughs> And the other one, I was challenged to watch a show um, apparently about the magazine industry by a friend who doesn't, who's a journalist who doesn't work in the magazine industry, and that's called The Bold Type on um, Stan. I don't know if you guys yes. heard about this. Look, it doesn't resemble any magazine I've ever worked at. But, you know, I, I haven't worked at a high, glossy, you know, we used to call them the flower power people because they sent so many flowers to people. Those sort of magazines I haven't worked at. But, um, look, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say there is a charm about this show and I'm going to recommend it. It doesn't resemble anything about magazines. Kevin, what have you been watching? Um, yeah, I just I've been going through a bit of a strange period this year where I've I've completely given up on American television and I've I've moved all of my viewing focus to the UK. Wow. And as part of that, um, there's a series that came out a couple of months ago on Apple TV called Slow Horses. It Excellent. is absolutely fantastic. Just six episodes. Mm. It, it moves at a roller coaster pace. This is a UK spy drama based on the MI5, but it, it's kind of like James Bond, but if all of the agents were really shit at their job. <laughs> and it's just absolutely clueless. This is, this is, this uh, dysfunctional spy drama at its absolute best, but the tension, the speed that this moves, the the stunt sequences is absolutely fantastic. Can't recommend it highly enough. Starring Gary Oldman in the lead role, and there's a second season on the way. So so get into it. Okay, Matthew, what have you been watching? Uh, just one uh, for me this week. If any loyal TV Black Box podcast listener will know that I've been on this journey of churning through The Walking Dead before the mm-hmm. ultimate finale at the end of the year. Finally out of season 10, I was there for a good, probably more than six months. Uh, so started season 11, and I have to say, it's the, it's the final season. I don't know what they did, but they must have gone to AMC and said, give us a bigger budget, we want to go out with a bang. Because the special effects, just it's just incredible like it just it just takes it to the the season one season two days you really are reminded of just kind of how successful the show was and you know you, you're killing all these zombies it's just it's so much it's, it's just so good to watch i don't know and I, I don't think i'll have to sift through for so long with season 11 and season 10 so looking forward to the finale which I believe must be in late October. You sound very excited, Matthew. Uh, October yeah. 3rd, there you go. So very excited. And I will be there week to week so I can watch it live. And finally, Mulk, what have you been watching? Hello. Uh, fun, Rob. You'll be pleased to know I've got 17,000 shows to talk about. So um, just get You ready. get two. I get two. Well, the first one is called Seven Different Seven Different Shows. Um, no, no, I, I have uh, been enjoying a number of programs including some of those that have been uh, mentioned prior. The one that I'll talk about that's currently on your television uh, is going to be What We Do in the Shadows. That's currently on Binge and Fox Showcase. Um, this, this is a delightful, uh, you know, vampires living in a share house in Brooklyn um, with based on the film of the same name. We're up to season four, I think it is, that's currently airing. And uh, Matt Berry is the absolute standout. Uh, as uh, one of the vampires who uh, is caring for 
a, a vampire child. I'm not even going to go into it. You'll have to watch it to to understand it. But it's so so funny, uh, including he has delivered the line uh, of the series this year. Just in reciting New York City in with a special affectation has been quite excellent. Um, so I highly recommend what we do in the shadows. It is all on binge and Fox Showcase. Um, definitely worth checking out. The second of my two shows, Rob, that I'm allowed to talk about. Um, next week on Netflix, the reboot updated version of Heartbreak High airs on uh, Netflix, uh, not just in Australia, but globally. Uh, now, there was some controversy when this was announced because it was one of about three or four commissionings that Netflix Australia sort of called at the same time and given how well they've gone with their other commissionings understandably there has been some skepticism about whether or not um the new version of heartbreak high is going to be even any good let alone you know worth chinning in for the whole season i've seen the first three and it's really good like they have managed to update the storyline bring to us characters that remind for people that watch the original heartbreak high you will see elements of those characters you know in these new people but they are not new versions of drastic or new versions of 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 the other characters they are their own standalones um there's some incredible uh, uh of course they've kept the cast diversity recognizing that hartley high is in a part of sydney that is diverse in the amount of the the, the cultures of people that live there they have in this instance i think it's a world first where an autistic actor plays a character with autism no it's um, not a world first isn't it? Oh, well. Kathy Led's son has done that multiple times on UK shows. Great. Maybe then for an Australian show, it's a world first. Look, I, ca- I really recommend it. Um, and The promo I was su- looked good. I was pleasantly surprised, Rob. Again, I, I, I with you, I thought that the, the, the promo looked good, but I didn't hold a lot of hope. And this won me over from the first sort of 15 minutes. So mm. Heartbreak High, friends, next week it starts on Netflix. Uh, eight episodes, I believe they will all drop at once consume at your will don't maybe do it where there are impressionable little people around because they might be saying things like um finger banging out loud oh jesus Mm, lovely uh weirdly despite all my positive comments about heartbreak high netflix didn't send me a screener uh (laughs) i had to ask for it (laughs) all right um i have uh, i've been skeptical about the concept yes the promo has Drawn me in, I will say. It All right, delivers. let's move on to our group binge, which was Doctor Who Season 5, Episode 1, the first episode of Matt Smith as the Doctor. He regenerates, he falls to Earth, he meets a young girl called Amelia Pond, and then the adventure begins. Now, Philip, this week you've done a Robbo. You've watched <laughs> the wrong thing. Well, okay, I, I haven't watched a Doctor Who episode since I think it was, what, Tom Baker, was that his name? He was the doctor, yes. and that was, I believe, Fourth in doctor. the late 70s or possibly even the early 70s. So I was very reluctant. I was looking at it as a chore, to be honest, um, which is might explain why I got so mixed up. So I watched episode <laughs> one, season 11. Uh, it's with the female doctor. Jodie Whittaker. Yes, and I thought it was amazing and fantastic and it made me want to watch Doctor Who. So that's all I can tell you and it doesn't relate to the episode you watched. Well, there you go. At least it achieved something. Um, Robbo, did you manage to watch the right show this time? 
I really did this time. And, you know, I thought it was a bit slow at the beginning. So it took 14 minutes for something to happen. This is my first ever uh, episode of Doctor Who that I've ever watched. I've never watched a frame of this program. Would you agree it's a good one to come in on? Beg your pardon? Oh, yes. Uh, no, I do. I, I, look, I had always steered clear of it. It was in, on in the afternoons. It had that famous theme. It just, I, I, I just always steered clear of it. Uh, so I stayed with this one. I thought it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, look, other TV shows and films and plays and anything else, they worry about plot points and, 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 oh. plot, and, and plot holes. The, the wonderful show about the wonderful thing about Doctor Who is that <laughs> they might say that the monster is green in the first act, but the monster needs to be blue in the, in the, in the second, and Doctor Who just knows how to make that happen. So, look, look once I got past that kind mm-hmm. of um, freewheeling <laughs> of the story, I actually really, I really enjoyed it. I think it would be a fun character play. I liked that there is a bit of comedy in there. I loved the porn joke. I loved seeing Olivia Coleman in there. I thought it was fantastic. I, re- I like. I'm actually. I, I'm. I'm. I'm into it. And also, it was great to see that uh, Tom Baker, um, who was one of the other doctors, he was doing the voiceover for the monster, or one of the monsters rather, in in this episode. So that was great to see that kind of uh, circle of life thing happen. Akuna Matata. Jonica, did you watch this? No, I'm not. I mean, my Tom Baker story is even worse than everybody else's. (laughs) I went to school with a boy called Tom Baker and mum used to always say, oh, Doctor Who, and I never knew what she meant and (laughs) I still still don't. (laughs) So, no, sorry. Did you fancy (laughs) throwing it out in this podcast? All right, that's fine. Um, As the special guest, you get a pass. Matthew, Uh, did you watch... Yes, yes, and like Robbo, I hadn't really seen a frame of um, Doctor Who. I only knew that, you know, who was the Doctor really? just because, yeah, like, just never piqued my interest. I never realised, and I don't mean any offence when I say this, trust. Uh-oh. I don't mean any offence at all. But I never realised it was more of a, a kid's type of show. Now, not kids, but more like a tween, <laughs> tween show. I didn't realise. I thought you this was a... not winning Robbo. I just, I thought this was more for... Adults, I don't know. I, that's just what I thought Doctor Who was as as a genre and as a franchise. Now, <laughs> in saying that, I, I went in thinking it was an adult show and You're I was well, confused buddy. You're doing and well. I thought Keep the going. animation was very what I watched in 2010. It wasn't very good. But now what I realise what it is, I think it was a fine show. And Rob doesn't like the oh, word fine. It's I, the word fine show. I just, it's okay. I didn't, but Even I, I'm maybe it's because I went in with a, a different head. I don't know. But like, I just, I, I didn't, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch anymore. But it was, it was all right. It was okay. I, oh. Well, there we Mark, go. And I, that was uh, Matt Sims. Uh, sorry, Matt's Matt last episode sorry. of no, TV no, no, Black Box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt uh, Mark, I think I, I always thought this was a good jumping-on episode for people. Yeah, I particularly liked the way that Christopher Eccleston embodied the Doctor. Uh, and I, sorry, no, hang on, wrong season. Um, I, I'm a big, huge fan of Tom Baker and what he. Oh no, it's the wrong season as well. Oh, you um, little bitch. Who was the scrawny yeah. guy that with the? Oh, Matt Smith. Yeah, no, I, I'm look. I, I, I only did that for my family because they'll all be screaming at me by now. Mm. <laughs> it is an excellent way to introduce a new Doctor. I thought that the story was tight. Mind you, it also um, gave us the introduction of Russell T Davies being succeeded by Stephen Moffat to yes. take over the franchise, the, the mm. modern franchise. So, I mean, Moffat had a lot to prove. And I think in the episode and, of course, seasons that resulted, he did a great job. 
Like, it wasn't even fine, Matthew. He did a great job. And it's why oh, for th- many I, people... Don't get me wrong. I think Matt Smith did a great job. I just... The concept as a whole, to me, was just... Yeah, fine. you've talked. It's all right. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> the, the um, Hot kettle! The, the benefit of um, uh, Moffat's inclusion in that and the fact that Matt Smith's performance as the Doctor is, to be fair, so nuanced, uh, is why many people claim Smith as their favourite of the modern doctors. Not me. I think he's my favourite. Rob, it's a great spot for people who maybe haven't watched any Doctor Who before to jump into the modern franchise and get um, some great individual tales as well as a larger narrative that um, you can step into without a whole lot of burden and catch up pretty quickly and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved it. Yeah. Well, next week, it's Abby's choice. Abby, (gasps) our producer, who puts this whole show together has chosen Jessica Jones Episode 1 on Disney+. Plus. So that is our homework for next week. Jessica Jones Episode 1 on Disney+. Plus. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of TV Black Box. Jonica, Bray, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yay, Jonica. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) And don't forget, she is the publisher of The Walsh. The Walsh. Is that thewalsh.com.au? Wash. Oh my God, I've done it again. She <laughs> is the editor, the publisher of The Wash. W A S H. Is it .com.au? Just find us on Instagram. The Wash. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> done my homework. Uh, Kevin Perry, thank you for your insights on the sporting Ooh. factor tonight. Really appreciate it. Yes, yeah. Oh, fantastic to be with you, and I look forward to joining the podcast in another five years' time when something else big. <laughs> Well, Kevin, as we leave tonight, I have a lot of life decisions to make, like this podcast is doing my head in. So that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for more insights and exclusives, go to tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the industry get their news. Thank you, panel. We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.